Hello everybody uh, and kia ora. In today's session, uh, we will be talking about the upcoming 3G network shutdown changes. We have more than 180 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina. I'm a Senior Communications Officer at Ostroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with John Gordon. Um, John is the Manager of Strategic Development at Transport uh, Certification Australia, or TCA. John is one of our presenters uh, today, and he will also moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. I'd like to start by acknowledging the Treaty of Waitani and Māori as the regional people of New Zealand. I also acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. Ostrods is based in Sydney and today I'm on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to eldest past, present and emerging and their deep and ongoing connection to the land. This webinar uh, is facilitated by Austroads and TCA. Austroads is the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organisations to deliver an improved road transport network. Um, TCA is a national organisation uh, that enables improved uh, public purpose outcomes from road transport uh, by providing assurance services um, related to transport technologies, including uh, the administration of the national telematics framework. Austroads and TCA are both uh, governed by the Austroads board. A bit of housekeeping, um, our presenters will speak for about 40 minutes and then we will have some time for your questions. The slides can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side um, of your screen. To send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the question icon on your um, sidebar. Um, also let us know if you have any technical problems, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So um, leaving the session, closing your browser and rejoining using your email registration link usually help helps. Um, this session is being recorded and we will let you know when uh, the recording is available on our website. Um, if you listen to podcasts, you can find Ostroads in your podcast app. Um, so we have several speakers today. Uh, the first presentation is from David McIntosh, uh, Telstra's National Telematics uh, Domain Lead. Next on the agenda is Michael Reynolds, um, Head of Network Products, uh, Programs and Services at Optus. After Michael, we will hear from Mark Joslin, uh, Follomon Transport Compliance Manager. Um, we also reached out to the ISAC uh, Regional Council. Unfortunately, they were not able to participate um, in the live session, but they uh, provided a statement um, about their transition experience, and I will talk um, about that on their behalf. And last but not least, uh, we will hear from Adam Riedinger, uh, Chief Technical Officer at Heavy Vehicle Industry Australia, and John Gordon, uh, Manager Strategic Development at TCA. After that, all speakers will be available for your questions. And for the Q&A, we will also be joined uh, by Shana Siniveratne, Telstra's Technology Development and Innovation Executive. Well, all right, uh, welcome everybody and over to you, David. Thank you everyone uh, for your time today. I'll take you through some brief details on what our 3G network closure means. 
if anyone has any detailed questions in relation to the network, I encourage you to ask Shana, who joins me today and heads up our networks and technology team. You'll see from the following chart, 1 to 5G, we have continued to evolve due to the ongoing demands on the network as technology becomes more advanced and demanding. Most in this call will no doubt uh, recall 2G shutdown. Uh, this occurred in December 2016 with Telstra, but think about how far technology has come since then. Uh, effectively, it wasn't a lot more than a, a dot on a map, uh, map and some basic uh, messaging and real, uh, real low-level sort of data. Uh, we've now got a huge demand on high-definition data and in real time. Think video data and multiple services in one vehicle where you've got just telematics, you've got in-cab uh, cameras, you've got different forms, routing, all these different bits of information that you need um, right now. We've come a long way since that dot on a map. Think of how many phone iPhones you've had since then. This is no different to other types of technology, including telematics. The demands have increased tenfold as we move to an era of the connected vehicle and connected environments, which are both a huge focus of Telstra. All of this has led to a huge decrease in the usage of the 3G network, not only in Australia, but globally. And therefore, we announced the uh, June 30, 2024 shutdown of the 3G network in October 2019, almost four years ago. That means we've only got nine months remaining. Uh, there are still hundreds of thousands of 3G devices in our trucks and vehicles today, uh, which is very concerning, which is one of the main reasons we bring you all here today. Taking into consideration, it commonly takes around two to three hours to retrofit hardware into a truck. Time is running out. Uh, we commonly are seeing a lot of um, fleets, whether it be uh, 600 vehicles, even 50 vehicles, that all are starting to think, let's just park it till uh, to next year. So everyone is sort of delaying this and it's becoming a very high concern of, of us all here. 3G today carries only 1% of Telstra's mobile traffic and it's slow old technology, and it consumes a disproportionate amount of energy compared to 4 and 5G, which are far more energy efficient. We need to shut down this network to repurpose the spectrum to improve and expand 4 and 5G, which offers that faster and greater network capacity along with our IoT network. I must call out our, our commitment is to provide 4G cover and equivalent to our 3G coverage by the time of the 3G closure in June next year. Also, uh, to be crystal clear, no 3G coverage will be removed prior to the closure of the 3G network in 20, uh, June 2024. That's a common question that does come up. Uh, you can also visit our um, telstra.com website and simply search 3G closure. Uh, that can give you some more information on general affected services. Moving into the next slide. Telstra has the largest IT network in Australia, covering around 4 million square kilometres. It coexists with 5G, meaning it's a, it's a very long-term play for us. Being low, low bandwidth, there's extended coverage uh, that can reach into buildings and subsurface areas and a network to support millions of devices um, today and into the future. For many of the fleets that have already upgraded their technology, they're no already noticing a huge coverage uh, improvement and speed of incoming data. Earlier, I actually mentioned uh, 
connected vehicles and environments. Um, it's sort of been a bit of a buzzword, the V2X, V2 everything. An example of this is the ability for vehicles to communicate with each other and with infrastructure, which leads to improved traffic flow and safety. For this to be effective, we need the, the fast data delivery capabilities of our IoT network. Outside of the truck and outside of vehicles, um, asset trackers um, are prevalent within our industries. Um, what also is an improvement uh, coming into the IT network as we exit 3G is um, the lower power required to operate those devices. So whereas in the past you might get a few months or a year out of a asset tracker, a battery asset, asset tracker, you're now getting up to 10 years on the IT network. The coverage map that's uh, shown here today is also available via Telstra.com um, uh, coverage sites as well as 3, 4 and 5G. If we can move into the next slide. So where to now? Well, firstly, you can reach out to us and we can do an audit on your business to see what 3G devices you have on your Telstra account. I'd like to point out this might not be just telematics but we're still finding a number of truck phones, uh, duress pendants, scanners, and tablets that are also still 3G. Then you need to consider your options. Try and see this more as an opportunity to take advantage of the latest technology available to your business. Also, also make sure the solution meets the right regulatory compliance and certification needs. It's really important uh, to also look at the future state and expandability of what solution you're looking to go to. Does it have video with AI and uh, machine learning capabilities? Does it offer in-cab screens that can incorporate um, things like live weight, electronic work diary, dispatch, routing? Uh, is FBT reporting and FT, uh, fuel tax uh, credits um, available through that provider? What I'm getting at is making sure that when you're looking to make this investment, that it's an investment not just to switch out of 3G, but an investment for the future. What's also important is, as we run out of time, is the implementation of it. Every industry in Australia that has a fleet is affected by this. And there's already, um, there's already a shortage of installs across the board with many other telematic fighters struggling to not, uh, to not even own, be able to install the hardware. So before committing to your existing or new provider, please make sure to get commitment of stock and install capability. Telstra has many of our field service teams um, that have trained to actually take on these installs, um, as well as drive the project and management piece. And that's um, really helping with our partners and our customers out there today. And it's going to become even more important as we get closer to the exit. We're here to help and we have got stock available and have partnered with Australia's leading telematics providers, including Telstra-owned MT Data, who have an extensive team building and designing units here in Australia specific to your industry needs. We are hearing um, and seeing a lot of shortage of hardware, so I, I must stress that you really do um, check on that uh, stock on, on your existing or your upcoming provider. And I'll finish off with just please don't leave it too late. Um, there's the, uh, if after June 30, if those devices are with our network, uh, they'll stop communicating. So you'll lose visibility of a fleet, which can severely impact on your chain of responsibility. Uh, we're here to work with all the associations and everyone to get uh, the transition done as soon as possible. 
and uh, with as little impact on your business as possible. And with that, I'd like to finish up by my, uh, handing over to Michael from Optus. Great, thanks, David. Good afternoon, everyone. As mentioned, I'm Michael Reynolds from the Networks team here over at Optus, and I look after the Networks products, programs, and services. And it's great to be here to talk to you about our 3G network plans. Um, I think this is uh, certainly a very important topic and something that doesn't happen very often. In fact, as, uh, as David just covered, um, it's happened twice before when we shut down 1G and 2G. So uh, it's only happened twice before and it really is a big deal. So it's great to see everyone here um, today making sure you're informed and preparing for such an important transition. Um, I, I think a bit on the history, as you know, we launched 3G almost 20 years ago. This was a time when uh, Blackberries were hot devices on the market and playing Snake on uh, an old Nokia device was considered gaming. And we've certainly come a, a long way since then. Um, the, the 3G network has been uh, a great asset. It's really served its purpose. Um, it's even, it, it even supported the introduction of uh, smart, smartphones to the market and, and um, you know, manage that until 4G turned up to, to really help with the levy, heavy lifting around data. But um, sometimes we need to say goodbye to, to older technologies as we introduce newer technologies and ensure that our network assets are delivering the best possible network experience for all our customers to really help us deliver on our vision of being Australia's most loved everyday brand with lasting customer relationships. Um, we, we do see the demand on our 3G network continued to decline, whilst obviously demand on our 4G and 5G networks growing and, and growing very quickly. So um, what's important for us is to really make sure we're maximising the use of our spectrum assets to boost speed, uh, capacity, reliability on our, our 4G and 5G networks, um, which are obviously a lot more uh, efficient than 20-year-old 3G technology. And this is um, ultimately uh, a su super important for our customers and intrinsic to our 3G network shutdown plans. So 4 and 5G will also um, provide greater capabilities from a network's perspective, which opens up you know, even more opportunities for the, the likes of network automation and uh, the ability to support newer digital products. So in, an important step as we evolve our network with technology and as you can as you can see and appreciate, it's going to be a win-win really for our customers and for for Optus as well. So um, if we sort of jump into some of the details, um, the Optus 3G shutdown program is essentially happening in two phases. Um, the first phase is already complete, which was for our 2100 uh, spectrum band, which we refarmed last year uh, and went really smoothly and gives us confidence for this next phase. Um, the phase two or the next phase is uh, where we're targeting our 900 megahertz spectrum band. And for this phase, we're planning to refund that spectrum in September next year, which means we've got exactly, almost exactly one year to the day for us to be ready for, for that transition. Obviously between um, now and September 2024, there's a lot of work to be done uh, right across industry. Um, even here at Optus, we're obviously focused on making sure that we've got coverage parity for our 3G network on our 4G and 5G networks, making sure that no coverage is lost as we go through this transition. 
and obviously just targeting the, the very specific final sites that we need to upgrade to those latest technologies. We're also obviously preparing all the network optimization changes that we need to make as we shift to 4G and 5G and shut down 3G to make sure it's seamless for, for all our customers. I think on um, uh, the customer side, obviously, as you can appreciate, there's a, a huge variety of devices right across the market, all different segments uh, relying on our 3G network today. Um, you know, items such as old handsets, tablets, all sorts of machine-to-machine uh, -machine devices, um, you know, uh, accommodating use cases such as, you know, flashing lights for school crossings, FPOS terminals, taxi terminals, and um, that, you know, the list really goes on. There's a there's a vast array of use cases being supported, and these all of these devices need to be upgraded to be supported on our 4G and 5G networks. I think. Uh, Something that won't surprise everyone is we know when most customers see a 3G icon on their device these days, they don't look at it with the same level of excitement as they did in 2003. So quite important that we um, we all get prepared for this transition. And to, to support on that, the, the team here at Optus will be working very closely with our customers um, to support them through this process, uh, including updating our customers on their migration process, supporting them directly and also through partners that we have um, within fleet transitions. Okay, if we take a, a closer look on the devices on our 3G network and what it means for our customers, um, it's really not a one size fits all view. Um, considering the audience we have here today, if we look at mach machine to machine or IoT devices, this makes up uh, about 17% of the potentially impacted devices on our network. So it's certainly very sizable, and thus it's important that we work together to get it right. I think if I sort of break down um, the different categories and, and areas of impact, so it's clear for everyone. Um, if we, we look at the first um, scenario where we've got devices that support both 3G and 4G today, but on the 4G side, um, oh sorry, if they, um, don't yeah if they've got supporting 3G 4G but they don't support our 4G 700 megahertz band or our low band um, capability um, when we shut off 3G they'll observe lower coverage on 3G uh, when, it, when 3G is turned off so even though they'll still work um, the, the coverage the perception of coverage will be reduced so second category is where devices support 3G and 4G today but fall back to 3G only for emergency calls or triple zero calls. Now, th this for us is a super important cohort as uh, the impact won't be immediately evident. Um, so it's really important that everyone is um, sort of clear and checks all their devices to make sure um, if they have an impacted device that they transition to a newer device. Category three is where devices uh, do support 4G for data but rely on 3G for voice calling. Now in this situation, uh, obviously data will continue to work after 3G shutdown, but voice calling um, will stop working at that point. Um, and in the fourth category, which is uh, probably the most simple to explain, where is the device solely relies on 3G and all, all services will stop working once the 3G network is shut down. 
So looking forward, um, what we are really encouraging our customers to do as a minimum is to transition to a device that's 4G capable, supports our 700 megahertz band and supports voice uh, on 4G or Volte uh, as we also call it. So um, I think I must say the time to act is now. Um, if you don't, if you need some support, don't hesitate to, to be in touch. We're here to help on this journey. We want to ensure as an industry, this all goes off uh, without any issues and actually see the industry take a big step forward by maximising the benefit of newer technologies on our 4G and 5G networks and uh, all the capabilities that it brings to also help you grow and maximise your business um, as a result. So with that, I'd like to thank you for your time this afternoon and I'll now hand over to Mark. Um, thanks, Michael. Um, and thanks, um, Oz Roads, for inviting me here to speak today on um, behalf of the uh, transport company. So um, my name's Mark Jocelyn. I'm the Compliance Manager for Falamont Transport. Um, part of this role sees me um, overseeing the telematics side of the business um, and the 4G upgrade. Um, just a bit of an idea for you, um, you out there that don't know Falamont Transport. Um, to give you an idea of um, what we had to go through or what we're still going through um, with part of our 4G rollout. So Parliament Transport is Queensland's largest family-owned transport company established in 1984. We specialise in time-sensitive freight. Um, we service all of Queensland and New South Wales. Um, that's through our fast networks of our um, own-owned depots and um, our agents. Um, we also have a um, refrigeration um, division, which services anywhere from Mariba to Melbourne and Atherton to Adelaide. Uh, we travel uh, more than 100,000 uh, kilometres a day, moving over 3,000 tonnes. Um, our fleet consists of 170 prime movers and 1,415 trailers. Um, and to support this, we have uh, 233 um, PED units. Um, our 4G upgrade. Our um, journey sort of started back in 2020, as David and Michael um, both mentioned there, we could see a need to jump on this early, um, uh, just due to the size of the project um, we're about to undertake. Um, we operate MT data and line haul um, in all our line haul um, prime movers and trailers. Our prime movers are also fitted with the Guardian C machine and they're required to be upgraded as well. Um, we have 153 vehicles fitted with MT data and 146 vehicles um, fitted with C machines. MT data plays a huge part, like a crucial part within the Falamont business. Um, everything we do, it's not just a simple tracking system about monitoring speeding. We monitor um, driving hours. Um, we've got integrations with other platforms that allow us to send things out to drivers like jobs, um, forms. Um, yeah, anything we can do with MT data, it's it's main sole purpose of our business. It's, it's a central point. Um, the cost of what we did, when we first rolled this out back in late 2022, we brought all our equipment outright and we're looking at the project at about 600,000 um, for our MT data and our seeing machine upgrade. That was purely for hardware only. That didn't include um, the cost for installation through our techs. The reason we um, brought this outright um, was purely to get the, get the product, the hardware. We could see, um, we could see an issue happening if, 
companies weren't going to jump on it quick enough, that stock might become an issue. Um, the availability would be um, yeah, just hard to get. Um, and then you'd be limited by, uh, I suppose, the techs um, to come out and install install the uh, product for you. Um, because we brought this early um, and got onto it pretty quick, we could then just sort of sit back, take our time and roll it out as we needed to, um, just when techs were available, vehicles were available, um, and just made it so much simpler for us just getting on it um, early. So I think it was as Dave mentioned earlier, installers, they're hard to come by. Um, anyone who's got anything to do with telematics within their business, um, trying to book an installer, unless you've got one in-house, is like, near impossible. So um, yeah, getting onto it early, like said, uh, like they said, there's only about a year left and um, yeah, techs are few and far between. Um, we've been pretty lucky um, getting onto it so early. We're about four months through our um, rollout and we're about halfway through the project. So hopefully we should be done before Christmas. Um, due to the coverage of our vehicle and the techs, um, location was um, going to always be a challenge for us. Um, we got really good uh, support network with technicians in Brisbane, Sydney and Newcastle, but we do struggle um, outside of these areas. Um, the main issue was we had a really good base of techs that could do either MT data or seeing machines. Not too many could do both. And we thought that was going to be an issue. Having to take a vehicle off the road twice um, was going to be a fair inconvenience. But we've also well, now we've got a pretty good um, pretty good rollout of techs in regional areas that can do both platforms for us. Um, so as for the business, um, we haven't been disrupted too much at the moment. Um, vehicles need to come off the road from time to time for servicing and things like that. And we work around with our workshops throughout the um, New South Wales, Queensland to um, fit these trucks in, get the techs in at the same time. Um, but just going re reiterating what um, David and Michael said, getting onto this early, um, yeah, is I can see is going to just benefit um, anyone who hasn't thought about it at the moment. Um, yeah, just even though we got onto it early, the techs are uh, still hard to come by, but that's just going to um, go tenfold come maybe the start of next year, Easter next year, when people are going, oh, we need to start doing this. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we should have ours completed by year's end. And, um, yeah, just good luck to anyone out there that's um, starting this um, process. Um, that's me done, and I'll hand it back to you, Ekaterina. Thank you very much, Mark. Um, and as I mentioned um, at the start, uh, we have a statement from the Isaac Regional Council, which you can read um, on, on this slide. I will focus on the experience and the important messages that they wanted us to convey. Um, so the migration for the council went smoothly um, and they have noticed a better experience with the uh, G09 4G devices. Um, 
which were offering a better processor and more memory. Uh, the council shared with us that uh, migration to 4G has improved uh, the asset reliability and ability to monitor um, better safety habits for their fleet users. The council encourages other local governments to be responsible and proactive and implement um, all the necessary changes on time uh, to reduce the risk of penalties and comply with all safety standards. Um, all right, and I will now hand over to Adam. Okay, g'day everyone. Um, I've got a slide. Thank you very much, Katarina. Um, I will keep this pretty brief because I think um, I don't want to dilute from the key messages that we've heard from um, the excellent presenters who have just gone before. Um, but I do want to um, take a moment to introduce Heavy Vehicle Industry Australia um, and, and let the attendees on today's webinar know what we do and, and how we can help, which is probably more important. So um, Heavy Vehicle Industry Australia uh, is the industry association that represents and advances the interests of manufacturers. Uh, and suppliers of heavy vehicles, components and equipment. So that covers the whole gamut from um, the people that build the biggest um, trucks and prime movers um, in Australia and import them as well, um, through all of the trailer manufacturers and, and every supplier of supporting equipment and components um, to that group of companies. Um, we have about 350 uh, corporate members and the body of staff that they employ is, is about 70 or 80,000 people. So it's, it's quite a number uh, of, of people that, that, uh, that we look after in the industry. Very importantly, um, uh, a lot of our members um, are in this telematics space and, and we've been working through um, the issues surrounding the shutdown with those um, technology providers. And, and they're all telling us the same thing that we've been hearing up to now, um, especially from Mark, who, who just spoke, which is really to, to, to start to, um, you know, the, the time to act is now and, and time is very important. Um, and the, the more time you give yourself could mean the difference between a successful transition or not. Um, so that's what our members are telling us, the companies that provide this equipment. Um, and that's what we'd really like to encourage as well. Um, anybody who is a user of this equipment to, to get on board um, with their suppliers um, and, and look at who else is in the marketplace um, to try and understand what, what their needs are at the moment for telematics and who can fulfil those needs best. Um, if you do need some help, um, please don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, my name is Adam Ritzinger. I'm the Chief Technical Officer at HVIA. Um, I can be reached on LinkedIn, um, email, phone. Um, there's lots of ways. Um, if you are having trouble um, figuring out where to start or, or possibly choosing a telematics provider um, to that that's, that best meets your needs, um, I'll be able to help you through that. Our, our team can sort of guide you through that as well because at the end of the day, they're our members too and, and, and we know that we have a role to play to, uh, to, to help the public um, get in touch with the industry. So please don't hesitate. Um, but look, I said I'll be brief uh, and, and, and that's, that's all I've really got to say. Uh, but I just wanted to also reiterate, yeah, the, the very strong messaging that we've heard already. Um, it's very important and, and the time to act is now. So thanks very much, Ekaterina. Thank you very much for that, Adam. Um, I might just take over and in a similar theme to Adam, I'm just going to say a 
few, a very few words uh, in support of what our other speakers have been talking about. Um, one of the key things, I suppose, from our perspective and our role as a facilitator in this marketplace of regulatory telematics, for those heavy vehicle operators who are required to have uh, some form of regulatory telematics in their vehicle in order to meet their conditions of access, um, and that might be either the Intelligent Access Program, IAP, telematics monitoring application or TMA or the road infrastructure management application or RIM. Um, if you currently have your vehicles monitored through one of those regulatory programs, you are required to have an operational device. And I suppose one of the key things we want to do is make sure for those operators who are in one of those, uh, are enrolled in one of those applications and in one of the many, many schemes that um, uh, Transport Authorities of Australia have made available to improve productivity and safety. We want to make sure that you have the support to be able to know easily and quickly uh, whether you need to update your devices. So what I'd be strongly suggesting is um, grab your phone, scan that QR code, go to our website. We have a page which lists the type approved devices which are reliant on 3G technologies. And we would encourage you to have a chat with your service providers as well to make sure that the services you've currently, you're currently paying for under your contracts and the devices that you're currently uh, fitted with are going to continue to function into the future. And if they need to be replaced or upgraded, that you've got that uh, booked in in a timely fashion. Um, really not much else to say, just uh, encouraging you all, please uh, don't delay, don't wait. Uh, as we've heard, there will be enormous, uh, well, competition um, for not only devices, but also refitters and... So uh, in order to be able to continue to meet your obligations for the regulator and others, um, we, we definitely encourage you to, uh, to jump on this pretty quickly. Um, thank you very much though. That's all from me. Um, if you do have any questions, check our website out, give us a call um, or, uh, or reach out uh, through um, um, Katharina and I and we'd be more than happy to facilitate any questions. We do also have some questions at the end of this now. So um, thank you very much for those who've already posted some questions. If you have something you'd like to ask, go down to the little questions slot at the bottom of your panel and uh, pop your notes in there and we'll work through them now. Katharina, would you, uh, we might ask uh, all the panellists to join us again, but, um, uh, and also uh, Chana, who we haven't heard from yet, but I think you're joining us for the panel. Yep, everyone, please join us for this Q&A, and yeah, there is a uh, number of questions joined for you to get through, and I'll stay in the background. If you need me to jump to any particular slide, just let me know. Thanks very much for that. Um, all right, so let's dive into the questions we've got. I'm gonna try and cluster a few of these up, but there's uh, there's a couple of themes that are emerging. Um, so one of the questions relates to, um, will external antennas that are connected to devices need to be upgraded? Now, my suspicion is this is going to be a bit of a, um, uh, a bit of a movable feast because it'll depend on the device, but um, is there anyone who'd like to take that particular question? Yeah, I can take that one, John. Um, with ours, we did have to upgrade our MT data um, high gain antennas. Um, our C machine devices didn't need that upgrade. Um, so yeah, with um, MT data going from three to four, yeah, we upgraded ours. Okay, so that might be a bit of a horses for courses question, but depending on your device, um, was there any any additional comments that we need to make there, or is that that just a check with your service provider? Yeah, uh, Chana here. Yeah, um, it's very much depends on the antenna you have now. 
Um, so if that antenna is sort of tuned to the 3G frequency uh, and you need to then shift to 4G, depending on which 4G frequency you use, and if it's not a wideband antenna, if you like, uh, to cover 700 meg, then uh, you probably will have to upgrade it, I think, as Mark said. Thank you for that. Um, okay, so um, quick question uh, now. Um, there's a question, Rolette, which I think has, has come up a number of times before, and I'm going to uh, throw this one to you, David, although anyone else feel free to dive in. I know we've had this question previously in sessions. Is there an opportunity that, or a likelihood that due to the slow uptake that the shutdown date may be extended? I think I remember your pretty much channel, your previous um, answer, which was don't bank on it, but uh, <laughs> what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, very, very unlikely. Uh, Shannon might be better actually to cover that one. Yeah, look, uh, no, we've, I mean, as uh, Dave announced before, uh, he said, you know, we announced this shutdown date four years ago. Um, and um, so our plans at this stage are fairly firm. We will shut down 3G in Telstra on the 30th of June, 2024. Thank you. All right, so next one is for both um, the Telstra and Optus uh, speakers. We might uh, ask you if you can uh, just each, each briefly answer this one, but there's a question here that uh, can the same coverage be guaranteed from 3G and will that coverage be uh, uh, guaranteed moving forward to 4G and 5G in the future? So, okay, maybe I'll just quickly respond. Yeah, so we've said, uh, and I think Dave also mentioned it, that uh, we, we've said to our customers, we will provide equivalent coverage on 4G uh, before we shut down our 3G network. Uh, and that's what we're doing where you know, we still have areas of 3G only coverage and we have an active program of um, installing and uh, commissioning 4G towers at those places. Uh, and our program is such that we'll finish that before the 30th of June. So there will be equivalent 4G coverage. Thank you. Perhaps Michael, would you like yeah. to add anything? Yeah, and look, I think the position from Optus is uh, basically the same as Telstra's. We're, we're essentially committing to having 4G coverage where we have existing 3G coverage today. Um, if, if you look at our, our coverage today between 3G and 4G, it's, it's essentially um, very, very similar. And we are just finalising the, the final sites that need to get upgraded to 4G. And they'll certainly be in place uh, before September next year when we, when we shut down our 3G network. Sure, excellent, thank you. Um, there's a, another question related to this, and, and I might read this verbatim, but is the plan to cover all 3G and or 4G black spots prior to the shutdown? I imagine that's just rolled up in your um, rollout plans for the, uh, the new coverage. Is that a fair thing to say? So if, if the question is referring to existing, existing black spots which have no coverage at all, um, then obviously there's a, a program of work that you know all the operators work with, with the government on. Um, but uh, yeah, if that's what was meant by the question, um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I, I'm assuming that's what was meant. Uh, so those black spots will get covered over time uh, as a result of the ongoing um, black spots program. Okay, thank you. Um, there's a question here, particularly related to not-for-profit organisations, and I imagine it's not quite for anyone on this call, but you may be able to point people in the right direction. Are you aware of any financial support for not-for-profit organisations to assist in the changeover? 
I can yeah I can chime in there. So um, it's it is dependent on on uh, who they are, but uh, we do um, apply for grants regularly uh, for non for profits uh, for different things. Uh, so we can um, assist there. We also uh, in market offering some three G migration offers. Uh, so, which are unique to uh, the 3G uh, devices. So, uh, whether an OPEX or a CAPEX, we can um, mould that to be um, suitable for the businesses. But uh, yeah, our non-for-profit team is, is um, very strong in that space. So, I encourage whoever asked that question, I can definitely point them to their local non-for-profit um, member within our team and they can definitely assist there. Yeah, and maybe just to add from from Optus side there, John, I'm not aware of any specific programs, but I think probably the best thing to do is to be in contact with your uh, Optus account team. They will certainly be uh, working with all our customers as we go through this transition and be able to uh, provide all the details required for, for support in that regard. Fabulous. Thank you very much for that. So yeah, again, key theme here, get in contact with your service provider. Um, okay, so we've got a couple of interesting questions here and they relate not so much to 3G to 4G, but actually whether 3G, 4G, 5G transition um, kind of uh, timeframes. So um, there's a question and I'll, I'll read this one verbatim, but there's a number that relate to it. So it's a bit of a theme emerging here. There's a question, why would you not just go straight to 5G to save having to do this again? Um, which I think is a, a very interesting question for a lot of people. Um, there's a related question which is a little more tangible. Will my upgraded 4G SIM also work on the 5G network or will I have to transition that again? So again, similar kind of question in that theme. And um, there's another question about 6G which we might come back to. So is there a, is there a, perhaps, is, is there a, you know, a, a, a way for customers to optimise their path here to um, move to 5G enabled equipment? Uh, or is that just something, again, that a service provider and a customer need to have a conversation about? Perhaps, Michael, if you'd like to lead off on this one. Yeah, sure, John. But look, I think definitely there's opportunities depending on the specific requirement um, to, to get devices today that support 4G and 5G. Certainly, if you look in the handset space, if you're, if you're um, picking up a device that supports 5G, it will certainly obviously work on the network and fall back to 4G where you don't have 5G coverage. So definitely um, there's technology um, available that would um, be future proof if you if you did pick up a device that's capable on, on 5G. I think if you look at 5G coverage, um, it's probably not at the same level as 4G. So again, I think it's gonna be important on your use case and um, the device selection that you make, um, whether it's the right thing to move to, to that device today or whether it's um, part of the roadmap for future technology. Shannon, would you like to add any thoughts to that or is that? Sure, um, and, and look, as Michael said, and I won't comment further, I think uh, he said something about the devices, which is uh, the same as Telstra. In terms of 5G coverage, um, so one of the reasons why we are shutting down the 3G network, as David pointed out, is that we want to reuse that low band spectrum eventually for 5G. So we haven't got a direct path to 5G um, right now, although, the 4G equipment that we are installing in those places which are 3G only actually have a capability which will be software upgradable to 5G uh, when the time's right. So, mm. you know, we've said publicly that 
by mid-2025, we will have 5G coverage to 95% of the population and 85% of our traffic will be on 5G. Um, so that's covering obviously a lot of regional areas, um, but obviously a bit more to do to, to get to the same level as uh, 4G and, and 3G will be. Um, but you know this will happen eventually. So we do have a plan, but it will take some time. Uh, thank you very much for that. And I think we're back to that same theme of uh, be in contact with your service provider and ask, be an informed customer. Um, thank you very much for those. Um, a couple more tangible questions. Um, well, I mean, uh, first I'll just touch on the one that we uh, we, we, we just skimmed over there briefly. Um, are there any, any approximate timeframes for a 6G implementation into the future and what radio spectrum might they be using? Are we thinking too far into the future there or do we have any hints, any crystal balls? I can give you a hint. <laughs> uh, look, the reality is that, that um, I know everyone talks about 6G, but, but uh, the, the, the actual specification of 6G, which happens at an international standards body called 3GPP, um, it hasn't actually started. There's some draft uh, pieces of work, but you know we are still a few couple of years away from even the standards being finalised for 6G. Uh, and realistically, I think 6G is probably, in my view, after 2030. Um, so um, as a kind of a hint, uh, you'll probably be, um, when the Olympics come to Australia in Brisbane in 2032, you might have 6G then. That's what I'd say. I don't know what, what do you think, Michael? <coughs> oh, look, uh, I think my comment on this is I'm super excited. People are thinking and are getting excited about 6G. But yeah, I think uh, we're, we're probably um, a, a bit of a way off before we actually see see 6G hitting the streets. So I think the focus really is obviously getting devices, getting onto our 4G and 5G networks, but remain excited about 6G. It, it will come at some time. Uh, that's brilliant. Thank the, you. Other, the, other, the other part of the question was what frequencies. And, and look, you will probably see, uh, like just as we're reusing 3G frequencies onto 5G, you will eventually see you know, the reuse of maybe some 4G frequencies onto 6G and maybe some new frequency bands opening up, um, you know, and, and maybe some really super high frequencies as well, because those really high frequencies, which are called millimeter wave, have got much greater carrying capacity, so much higher data speeds. So that's probably what you'll anticipate in the future for 6G. Thank you very much for that. Um, uh, another question, are there any plans to implement LTE 450 megahertz in Australia? Now, again, I think we'll go to our probably our two key technical experts here on this one, but um, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, Michael, I'm not sure, but I, as far as I know, like we've got, um, so this year is a major conference uh, on, which is the World uh, Radio Frequency Conference, which is on in uh, in Doha, I think, or is it Dubai? Um, and uh, my understanding is that the focus is more around um, you know, what we want to use for 5G and 6 meg. There's no plans to use 600 meg as far as I know for 4G. Sorry, uh, 450 meg. I thought this was this was. Meg, yeah. I'm yeah. not aware of, of 450 and, we, and Telstra certainly doesn't have any plans for 450 for 4G. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think the um, the view at Optus is the, is the same. We're not aware and don't have any plans looking at 450 for, for 4G. Thank you for that. No, that's brilliant. Um, look, that's that's great. Um, we're actually ploughing through these questions. That's brilliant. Um, 
Now, you did mention, I know, on your um, uh, uh, during your um, section, Michael, um, about devices which default back to 3G. So there's a specific question here. Have there been consideration to older 4G devices that are being used in regional areas that don't support 4GX and that currently default to 3G? Do you have any advice for customers to manage the uncertainty? You, you yeah, briefly mentioned that, but do you want to reiterate that? No, look, yeah, so, so there's a couple of scenarios where uh, you may have a, a device that supports 3G and 4G today, um, but uh, it's maybe using uh, 3G only for voice. So some models will only have the voice capability on 3G. So when 3G gets shut down, you know, data will continue to work on 4G, but you won't be able to make any voice calls. Um, so, so that's one scenario. Another scenario is um, where your device supports 3G and 4G today. Um, and, but for 3G, it supports our low band frequency of 900 megahertz, but for 4G, it doesn't support our 700 megahertz uh, band, which means when we shut down 3G, um, the, the perception would be that the coverage on 4G is um, much, much lower than 3G, but it, it's actually the device uh, specification and capability uh, that means it can't attach to our 700 meg band on, on 4G. So I think for these type of scenarios, and, and, and even, sorry, I should have mentioned the, the other one, which is really where you've got a device that supports 4G, but for emergency calling, um, it's defaults back to 3G only. And this is obviously very problematic because um, you won't observe it in your day-to-day -day use of the device, but coming to emergency, you'll have a real problem. So uh, I think for all those scenarios, again, I think it's really uh, making sure that uh, the customer is informed, educated around their device, their capabilities, and making sure that if they, they, they've, they've done their homework, understand they are impacted, that they obviously transition to a device that's supported on uh, properly on 4G and 5G. Just um, what I might add there as well, we are seeing um, some uh, businesses out there are trying to adopt um, cameras and some uh, devices from uh, overseas, uh, which is actually quite concerning because um, we're finding that a lot of them aren't on the, reporting on the right bandwidth here in Australia. So um, it's definitely uh, worth considering um, if you're looking to, for some unknown reason, why you'd go outside of Australia to try and find that technology. Uh, to be very, very cautious. Um, so we, we have found uh, there's, there's been a bit of an increase of that and more so around uh, video telematics um, where they go, oh, it's a bit cheaper if I buy it from China um, and <laughs> it's not supported here on the, on our on our networks. Uh, so um, we do do um, vigorous testing uh, for, for devices in Australia to make sure um, that they do uh, operate on the right bandwidth uh, to combat that. Thank you very much for that, David. Um, look, we're ploughing through these questions and we've got a really interesting one to end with. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have a question here for you, Adam. We haven't had too many heavy vehicle industry association ones. This particular one is, um, well, I mean, feel free to try and answer it, but um, is drone fly technology effective? This one's so far out of my expertise. I'm, I'm just gonna look to the experts, but. I've got to admit, that's a little out of my expertise area as well. We, we tend to deal with things that drive on the ground, not fly through the sky. But, uh, I'm happy to hand that over to somebody else. Most of the drones, most of the drones that are around use Wi-Fi technology right, to, to control them. 
now there are some specific uh, drones which do have um, you know a cellular capability a cellular modems on board but uh, I'm not aware of any that use 3G almost all of them use 4G um, and maybe even 5G but most of the ones that we work with use 4G technology. Thank you very much for that. I mean, certainly, as we've understood, um, certainly, uh, I know the, the focus of this webinar is in fact heavy vehicles and, and uh, particularly the, the freight sector, but uh, I mean, this goes well beyond that into all sorts of um, threads and devices that might be found all through the community. So I, I think this is, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point for us, but uh, yeah, drones may be, uh, may be one of the safe areas. All right. Um, uh, couple of last questions that have just popped up. Um, are there benefits in using MIMO antennas on vehicles going forward? Yeah, so um, if, if, the, if you are capable of using MIMO antennas, uh, I mean, all handsets, all, all our handsets have got inbuilt MIMO capability. So um, that's a given uh, in 4G and, and, and um, you know, and we are like in 5G, it uses um, very sophisticated MIMO capability. So, so the answer, simple answer to that is, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's in, in built into the standard. Wonderful, thank you. Um, there's a question here, uh, which I might take, it, it relates to um, any updates to the national telematics framework or reporting requirements in line with greater capabilities of standardized 4G data networks. Um, one of the things, I suppose, just from our perspective, as we are going through and type approving devices, we are taking very careful account of the ones and uh, which networks their requirements uh, are based on. Um, uh, and it's, it's certainly one of our main reasons for being involved in this at the moment is to make sure that the marketplace that re relies on these systems and, and on our type approved uh, and certified uh, service providers um, are able to continue to meet all the legislative obligations. Um, the actual, if I remember correctly, the actual specification doesn't require any particular minimum type of um, uh, bandwidth. So um, I don't think we actually need to update the, uh, the spec. Um, having said that, uh, certainly these changes and this constant evolution is being taken into account in the national telematics framework, and particularly the new uses uh, that um, can underpin or can be underpinned by the new technologies and the new bandwidths. Um, the last comment I might just read out for everyone, and it's just uh, one of our attendees wanting to pass on their thanks, um, uh, working in an economic development role in an LGA and finding this useful, which is fabulous to hear. It's not often we get live positive feedback. So thank you very much for that. Um, and thank you very much for all of our speakers. I might hand back to you, Ekaterina. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much, everyone, for such uh, interesting presentations and uh, for your time to share this important information with everyone out there um, to help them transition smoothly. Right, I just have a couple of slides left. Um, just to reiterate, um, on this slide, you can see the shutdown times and uh, there are also the links to the websites where you can find more information. Um, on this slide, you can see all our upcoming webinars. If you are interested in any of them in particular, please visit our website for more information and to register. Um, and as we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Uh, take a few minutes uh, to send us your feedback let us know what you liked or didn't like about the session. It really helps us uh, with our future webinars. Once again, today's session has been recorded and we will send you the link to the recording when it's published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you next time.